Welcome to Whatcom New Life Assembly's Sermon of the Week, where, as always, it's all good news. For more info on how to get involved in our church or to partner with our ministry, please visit us at whatcomnewlifeassembly.org. Father, we come to your word today. We declare that it is truer than any of my beliefs. <laughs> Father, would you correct us by the instruction of your word? Father, we submit to your word over our opinions, over our thoughts, Father, and we lay our hearts and minds bare to be transformed into the image of Christ. And so, Father, as we eat and drink deep today, Father, we receive your blessing, we receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I just, I'm so blessed by our, our, our church. <laughs> We've got the best pastoral staff in the entire state of Washington. Hey, probably Oregon too. I haven't checked, but uh, I've been gone for a couple of weeks. And, and, you know, this is the first time in years where I feel, hey, you know what? It's okay to be gone once in a while because we're in good hands. We've got, we got great, great people working hard and loving Jesus. And so um, thank you so much for allowing me to be gone. We, uh, of course, suffered for Jesus in Disney World, and uh, let's get to that in a minute, but let's start out, any soccer fans out there? There are soccer fans in the United States of America on the 4th of July, I don't think, they didn't even let us in that tournament, no. Uh, sports are hilarious. I'm, I'm not a huge soccer fan, alright, but here's what I love about soccer, if you throw up a couple of my pictures here. Um, any, any second now. I know it's coming. Yes, there we go. This is soccer in a nutshell. You know, it's a no-contact sport. Listen, we, we have football because it's a contact sport. We expect people to, uh, to choke slam each other. But what is great about soccer is they do it anyway. Uh, World Cup, if all else fails, break their necks. All right, go to my next one. That's right. I didn't... I didn't foul her. She simply tripped over my foot as I swung at her legs. And any true soccer fan knows what this picture is in the bottom right. Uh, I wish I had the video. This guy decided he would bite the other guy on the shoulder and, and then pretended like, oh, look, I need to foul this guy. My feet, my, my teeth hurt. Sports demonstrate quite clearly how competitive we are as humans. In fact, I believe we created sports to harness our competitive nature so we could be nice people outside of it. And you're like, I'm not competitive at all. Have you been to Costco on a busy day? You just haven't found your arena yet. We all have this, this, uh, this competitive nature inside of us. I think, I think God is competitive in a way. Um, but we're to follow, follow the rules. I have to tell you a moment. We were in Disney World uh, quite a few days. A whole family came. I have to tell you a moment. I was so, never been so proud of my 10-year-old daughter. We were in line for Pirates of the Caribbean. And, uh, and so there were 15 of us at the time, I believe. Uh, it might have been 11 of us. Because Brenton and his, his family, my other brother, my dad, were all there. And there was this guy who had a whole team, 
of kids from the YMCA, or excuse me, boys and girls, or I don't remember where they were. They're all wearing the same shirts. Well, he's the leader. He's the adult. He's the grown-up. It's like a 45-minute line. And, and he sneaks past and cuts in front of my whole family. And then he turns around and starts motioning to all of these kids. Hey, come on, I got a better spot. Well, we're in line. That doesn't happen. <laughs> now, the Bible says to train up your child in the way they should go. Praise Jesus. My daughter, she, she just quietly moved over here and created a wall so these kids couldn't get past her. And I looked at her, I'm like, you are, you're the best kid I've ever had. And so I join her, I get there and I'm, I'm like, we're creating a wall. And I'm looking at my family, I'm like, make a wall, a whole wall. The lady from New York in front of us, she, she joins in with the spirit of giving and she's like, they're not getting past us. We create, a, we create this wall. What? competitiveness, you're not getting in front of me. If I have to wait 45 minutes, you're waiting 45 minutes and it ain't happening. With that, we're going to close in prayer. <laughs> Listen, sometimes Disney World doesn't bring out the best in you, alright? You see the best and worst of humanity. But, today we're talking about the Kingdom of God, which is a completely different mindset um and 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 it's an upside down philosophy it's an upside down kingdom and today we're starting a series that has honestly it has been on my heart for months now and i've been chomping up the bit to start this series and it's called winning together an exploration of the most important relationships of your life it's been it's been on my desk i just had i don't know why the hashtag is there but there it is I'm sure Twitter appreciates it. But on my desk, I have this thing, winning, hashtag winning together. And below that, I wrote, we either win together or we don't win at all. And, and, and this mind-flipping philosophy applies to all the relationships in our life. We either win together or we don't win at all. It's been on my heart just going over and over in mind about our church, about Wacom New Life. We're either going to win together or we're not going to win. It, it, when, when I think about my marriage, we either win together or we both lose. That's marriage in a nutshell. As a parent, as a friend, as a co-inhabitant of planet earth, we got to win together. Because sometimes first place is the loneliest place of all. Especially if you have to cut people off to get there. You may make it in front of them in the line, but you feel like a real jerk at the end. You know, there's some special second and third place. like, hey, you did great, buddy. Nice job. Hey, let's go get some root beers together. And first place is like, I'm the greatest. Where did everybody go? I'm the fastest. I'm the strongest. Great. Cool. We're not as good as that. Hey, you want to go hang out with me? See, the Bible changes things. And I'm not... It's great to be competitive. Alright? But, but, but that's not what the kingdom of God is all about. And if you're a competitive person, I just can't stop myself. Well, then be competitive to enter into the kingdom. The Bible says this, that the first shall be last... And the last shall be first. Amen. That right there should be a big red flag saying, hey, this is a different race. Yeah. 
Because if I'm running in the Olympics, I'm running the, the 1600 whatever, the first better be first or I'm going to be really mad. <laughs> but Jesus, He tells this parable and He talks to His disciples and he, he tells them about this vineyard owner who goes out and He hires some workers and He says, hey, I'll pay you X amount of dollars. Let's say $40 for the whole day's work. And that's really fair. Halfway through the day, He's like, I need more workers. So He goes out into the square and He finds more workers. He says, hey, I'll pay you $40 a day for a half day's work. And they're like, wow, that's really generous. I'm in. Then he goes, at the last minute, there's like 10 minutes left in the day, and he says to him, hey, I'll give you $40 if for 10 minutes of work. And they're like, wow, you bet. Well, when the day comes to an end, the people go to receive their money. The people who worked all day, they're like, oh, $40, I really earned this. And then the next people come up who worked half a day, and they're expecting them to get 20 And, and the, the owner hands them $40. And they're like, what? And then Bo shows up, and he's only been there 10 minutes, and the owner hands him $40. And all of a sudden, the first place people, they're like, what? That is not fair. I'm telling you, there's no fair in the kingdom of God. (laughs) If you've been prone to the, it's not fair, not fair. Listen, you're never further from the kingdom of God (laughs) than when you stomp your feet and say, it's not fair. Why did this happen? It's not why are they blessed? It's not fair. Why did I get born here? It's not fair. Why did my parents do that? It's not no fair. You're never further from the kingdom of God than when, when, when that's going on. Because it was in that light of that parable that Jesus told the disciples, you see, the, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. He's like, this isn't a soccer match. Don't bite each other anymore. That's why you can have sports. <laughs> Vent all your frustrations. But when it comes to my kingdom, when it comes to the kingdom that's not of this world, the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ, you either win together or you're not going to win. Don't cut each other off. Romans 14.7, Paul tells us that, that, uh, uh, that none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. Some of us get saved and we're like, all right, I'm there, I'm there, I don't care about anybody else because I'm saved. That's okay for one-on-one Christianity. But that wasn't the life you're called to. You don't live for yourself. Now, you're going to stand before the throne room of God. You answer for yourself. Amen. I'm not going to be there to say, hey, you know what? Zeb did okay. Come on, give him a break. Right? But when it comes to living life, when we're called to be kingdom bringers and kingdom builders, it's not a, I'm going to beat everybody. It's, oh wait, so-and-so's back here. I better get back there and help him. Because if I don't, I don't want to cross that finish line if I don't bring people with me. Amen. Jesus takes it a step further. And He says, he says this in Matthew 6.19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's giving us this crate. Anybody a DuckTales fan? That's my generation. DuckTales. Uncle Scrooge, he had this huge money bin where he stored up his treasures. Did you know that in heaven you've got a huge money bin? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know what it'll look like. But Jesus is giving us this, this description of, hey, you can fill your money bin in heaven. And he's like, don't wear yourself out on this other stuff. Store up yourself for yourselves treasures in heaven. 
And, and, and where, where moths can't destroy, where thieves can't steal it, nothing can happen. You don't set your wallet down and walk away and forget it and someone grabs it and steals it. It can't happen. What is he talking about? Stand up for a second. Everybody stand up. Turn, do a one, 360 in your chair and look at everybody you possibly can. Okay? <laughs> Those people you just looked at are the only things that can fill your treasure chest. That's it. That's it. And not just the 200 people here today. I'm talking about humanity on planet Earth. They're the only treasures. That's what we're talking about here. I can't invest in the stock market and have that show up for me in heaven. Now, it can bless me here while I'm on Earth, but it's not going to follow me into the, in, into heaven, into eternity. I may have it for 60 years and be like, hey, this is great. Look at my giant house. But if I have not stored up for myself these folks... I may be the person, I made it across the finish line. <laughs> and I'm looking around, where'd everybody go? Because I stomped on people, I cut them off, I got offended, I left, I abandoned, I got, I, because I, it was all about me. And of course, I'm the child of God here. Yeah, you are, but that's one-on-one. It's time to enter into 102 Christianity, where I turn around and I say, oh, there's more than me. <gasps> There's a big money man up there that we need to fill. You can have a seat. These are the only treasures you can, we can store up. Jesus, Jesus wanted us to understand this so strongly that we're, we're given the analogy that we are... He calls us the body of Christ. The body of Christ. That's a pretty honorable position to be in. But how many know, if I'm running the mile, okay, it's the only one I can relate with because that's what I ran, all right? I'm running the mile, and, and, and on lap three, my foot hurts, so I chop it off, and I crawl the rest of the way. And I get to lap, I'm finishing my lap four, oh, my arm, I'm going to chop that off so I can finish the race. I get to the end, and I stand on one foot, and I won, yes, I completed the race, woo! I, I finished the race. I'm there. But people are going to be like, whoa, what a weird race. He's got his legs back on lap three. What? The arms on lap four? I don't even want to tell you what's on lap two. It's the zombie apocalypse. I made it to heaven. Yeah, but you stomped and killed and chopped and left everyone in the dust. Either we finish together or we lose. Jesus believed in that so strongly, he, he conferred upon you the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. Fingers, feet, toes, I, I, all these different... And if I, I made it, I'm, just my finger made it across the... But, but the rest of the body's laying a bloody on the street. Christianity 101. Yeah, I'm a child of God. Praise Jesus. And you are. There's a place for you in the kingdom. But 102 is, hey... I'm here on planet Earth. I don't know how many laps I get to run left. But while I'm here, I want to make sure other people are getting up and I'm helping them move toward the finish line. Amen. Our finish lines all come at different times. It'll come. It'll come. Don't worry. 
It's not a competition. The kingdom of God is not a competition. It's a collaboration. If, you, if we really want to see God transform the United States, if we really want to see God transform North America, if we really want to see God transform the world, it's not about me doing all I can. It's about me working with others to do all we can. Because I can only do so much. I'm only so, so, so gifted and so talented. But when I multiply together with the body of Christ, there's something, there's something powerful that happens. And I'm telling you, this is why this is so important. Because I believe in the last days, God is going to pour His Spirit out on all mankind. That, that there's going to be a revival that sh- spreads throughout planet Earth. But I believe part of the key to that is the kingdom of God, the people of God, showing everybody this is how we live in relationship with one another. And I'm, we're going to talk about all sorts of things in the weeks to come. We're talking about marriage. We're going to show people how to live in marriage as, as sons and daughters, as parents, as, as co-workers, as enemies. <laughs> we're going to talk about finance. Well, that's not a relationship. Yes, it is. How often do you think about it? We're going to talk about the most important relationships that you have in your life. Now, just because you're not married doesn't mean there won't be good things for you. All of these weeks, we're going to have different things and it will be applicable to all of us. But we're going to talk about what the real race looks like. Look, God, how many know that God is a winner? He's going to win, right? Let, Let this simmer in your mind for a minute. Before he ever created Adam and Eve, he already won. <laughs> he was God, Almighty, the all-sufficient all one. That didn't happen just because he created mankind. God was a winner. God is a winner. He didn't need humans to win. He was sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-sufficient. Hashtag winning. But without us, he considered it a loss. So much so that he sent his son to come die in, in our place because to him, he didn't want to win without us. He wanted to win with his family, with his sons and his daughters. For God so loved the world. Have you ever loved somebody so much that you're like, I don't even want to win if I don't win without them. I don't think any of us have had that perfectly, but God, that's who God is. I don't want to win without this person. So he set everything in place so that all we have to do is come to Jesus. He, He sacrificed his son. So that we confess His name and we are forgiven and we win together with Christ. We become co-heirs, victors. And He made us His body so that we can win together with Him. And then He turns to us after He lays down His life and He says, now go and do likewise. I've got other sheep that I want to bring in. And I choose you to help me out with that. Greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for a friend. Now, I want to tell you something else this morning. It is easier to die for someone than it is to lay your life down sometimes. Because when I lay my life down as a landing strip for somebody else, 
it can hurt. I, can, I have all sorts of opportunities to be betrayed, to be stabbed in the back, because I'm laying, I'm laying down for you. Come, come to the kingdom. Oh, you don't belong here anymore. I don't like you. I'm offended. I'm going to bite you just like the soccer guy. <laughs> Greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for a friend. That is next step Christianity. That is what's, that's what ushers in revival. Yeah, you need to know who you are. And now you turn and you see, where is everybody else? Come on, let's go together. The pirate code. If you fall behind, you stay behind, right? That's not a family code. That's the difference between pirates and family. <laughs> you didn't know that, did you? When you truly love your family, you lay down what you want for their, for their preference. Amen. Sorry, I got another Disney story for you. First of all, you know I like Disneyland. You know that's, you know, but but you, do, you don't know that I hate the Dumbo ride. I'm all, I've always looked at people like, you are a Dumbo for going on. <laughs> Some of those are like, why would I wait and be in the sun and all that for this, this ride? It, you know, I want to get me on Pirates, get me on Big Thunder, all of those things. So we're, we're, we're there, we're waiting in line for Big Thunder Mountain. It's a great, great ride. Uh, it's my wife's favorite. Happened to be that one of the trains was down, so the line was taking a lot longer than normal. And it's hot in Orlando this time of year. Like you start sweating immediately and they don't have a whole lot of fans going in that ride. About 45, 40 minutes or so into, into the wait, uh, Emma, who I didn't think would like the ride anyways, starts getting, you know, she's five years old. She's, she's I don't even want to go on this ride. I don't want to go on the ride. And, and, and I'm, I'm faced with a decision. I'm like, okay, I can force her to stick this out because you know, it's probably another 20 minutes and we'll be on that ride. And then I'll get to go on it with her. Or we can... I can take her and go do something else. Now, I know you're like, that's not a real sacrifice. But to me, I just want you to know, I never went on Big Thunder Mountain on this trip. I know I'm a martyr. <laughs> so I took my daughter out. Go to, my ne- go to, go to the picture there, Manny, if you, if you could. And we went on Dumbo. We went on the carousel, which is another one. I'm like, why do they have this here? It could be on anything. And we went on a Little Mermaid ride, believe it or not. Like father, like daughter, right? <laughs> Go to my last picture. I got to the end of... That was the best time of my whole trip. The Dumbo... Like, come on, the Dumbo ride. But she, she kept saying, I love you, Daddy. This is, I love... This is the best. And then I, what was your favorite part of the trip? When we had our special daddy-daughter time. And I'm like, oh... And, but I have to tell you, in that moment, there's a battle going on. I want what I want. I want Big Thunder Mountain. I don't want Dumbo. Now, it's easy to say as a dad because there's, a, there's a, a healthy instinct to lay down your life for your kids. That's, there's, there can be malfunctions in that, but that's a healthy instinct. But this is honestly the heart that God is asking us to take towards mankind. You know what? I want Big Thunder, but let's give you Dumbo. <laughs> you big Dumbo. And when you look back on it, the reward, the, the moment, that is so much more of a blessing to you 
than it could ever be if I'm like, I'm going to get what I want. I want to get out. I chop the arm off because it's not functioning. I'm going. I'm going to make it through this line. Meanwhile, you've, ch- you've left a trail behind you. Greater love has no man than this. You lay- That's what laying down your life looks like. When we realize we are the family of God, not the soccer team of God, <laughs> we learn, oh, I lay down my life for you. You lay down your life for me. Now, and, and get this, I don't lay down my life for you so that you will lay down your life for me. That comes into, that, that destroys every relationship. In fact, this, we'll talk about that more on, the, on marriage date. If you, I would totally lay my life down, but I don't think she'd do the same. Then you've both lost. I don't lay down my life for you with the expectation that you'll do it for me. I do it because that is what the kingdom of God looks like. I do that in all of my relationships. That's what family is. And I'm telling you, that's who Wacom New Life is. There will be people who... who, uh, who and we're going to do it over and over and over. We're going to lay down our lives for each other. There are going to be people that come back to church here after 10 years. And we're going to lay down our lives for them again. Yeah, but they went off and did this. After I don't care. We lay down our life for each other. Yeah, but they trampled on the grace. Is it your grace? <laughs> Whose grace is sufficient? Lay down your life. Yeah, but they betrayed me 14. Lay down your life. I'm telling you, because inside of us, all of us, you're thinking of excuses. Yeah, but I couldn't do that here. I couldn't do that here because the excuses are what's going to stop any sort of kingdom from coming in your life. Some of you are one laid down away from revival transformation in your life. I laid down my life five times. Do it one more time. Just one more time. No, just two more times. Because I'm telling you, it, you, you live in the kingdom of God, not in the kingdom of this earth that's grabbing and clawing and demanding. And if you want to see the kingdom increase, you follow the kingdom principle. And he says, greater love has no man than this. Yes. You want to be great in the kingdom of God? Learn to be the servant of all. Yes. That doesn't make sense! Good. Then you're on the right track. <laughs> it's no longer your, your wisdom that's calling the shots here. The Bible says that, Jesus said that it is impossible that no offenses should come. Let me rephrase that. In absolutely every relationship, you will be offended. It is a promise. He says it's impossible that no offense should come. In church, in family, in business, in school, in life, it's impossible. You'll get offended. I'll get offended. We'll get offended with each other. Yay! We're part of a family. (laughs) That's not what you do to family. That word offense in the Greek is the word scandalon. Scandalon. Oh, it's a great word. It's where we get scandal from. Oh, what a scandal that happened there. Of course it did. They're humans. It's impossible that no scandal should come. And the word means, in the Greek, a trap. That's what scandal means. Scandalon. 
offense. It's a trap. In fact, it, it specifically means a trigger for a trap. So when you say something that really cheeses me up, and you will, and I talk a lot, so I will, to you, I'm sorry. There's a trigger there. <gasps> and, and it looks so good. I'm going to grab that offense. I'm going to grab it. And what happens is, it's a trap! That's my Star Wars fans. <laughs> See? It's a trap! That's my Star Wars. When I offend you, you know we're in relationship. Praise Jesus! It is, it is your honor to overlook an offense. It is my honor to overlook an offense because that offense is a trap. It's what's going to destroy you faster than anything. I'd walk in freedom, but this person offended me. And I'm going to make sure that never happens again. It's a trap! Lay down your life. But, but, the thing, lay down your life. Offense is when I pick up my life and lay yours down. I'm going to force you to lay your life down because I'm going to make sure mine gets picked up and propped up right. That's offensive. <laughs> it's a trap. It's a shortcut to losing every time. Losing together. <laughs> so when we both take up our offenses. We go our own ways. We take off the gloves. Let's do this the old-fashioned way. Yeah, it's the old-fashioned way because Jesus came to give us a new way. To lay down my life. To avoid the trap. (laughs) Oh, that's my trigger word! (laughs) You didn't know I'm triggered! We do that at our our house all the time. Oh, I'm triggered! You better watch. We do it in fun. This is my hot button. You, did, you, you totally stepped on my hot button. Well, we all have hot buttons. Mine is cutting in line in Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> I'm right, you're wrong. It's a trap. Paul says this in, in Corinthians. He says, why not? He, he talks about the fact that there are lawsuits among you. And he says, he says the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you've, you've been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? What? Literally, why not prefer, I'd rather have you wrong me than, than be in a lawsuit and struggle with you. I prefer to be wronged than to make sure I'm right at your expense. Why not rather be cheated. This is, this is kingdom, kingdom talk. And the fact that it doesn't make sense to our, our mental wisdom is a good thing. Amen. Shows me that my ways are not His ways. Why not rather go on Dumbo? Hey, if the analogy works. Some of our revivals, it hinges on laying down. And letting go of that offense. Because the trap, as soon as you let go of the offense and say, you know what? I'd rather be wrong than hold on to that one second longer. You walk free from that immediately. It's not a trap you can't, you can't get out of. It's just a, oh, 
I can let go. I can follow the kingdom. Because Jesus, he's so good. There's a supernatural power to laying down your life. There's something profoundly supernatural. There's a power in there. It's this upside-down lifestyle. In every relationship, there is a supernatural power to laying your life down. Jesus said in John 12, Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. I believe there is, there is a supernatural power in laying down your life that multiplies the blessing in your life. As long as I'm holding on tight, I have one seed. But when I lay down my life, okay, I'm going to lay down once again and, let, and I'm, going to, I'm going to let go of this offense. I'm going to prefer you over me. There is something supernatural that multiplies the seeds in your life. And it will multiply the seeds of revival of people coming to know Jesus when they start saying, these people are acting weird. Not because they're barking like dogs. They're laying down their life for each other. Yeah, well, your husband said this to you. How could you ever forgive him? Supernatural relationship. That person can't possibly be your friend. They betrayed you. They stabbed you in the back. And yet, here you are loving them. Why? Greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friend. That points people straight to Jesus. That's the kingdom of God mentality. Amen. What would church look like if everyone in this room continually laid down their life for everyone in this room? Boy, that would be crazy. (laughs) What would your marriage look like if you and your spouse laid down your life over and over, preferred each other, what would your family look like? What would, what would your workplace look like? Do you, do you realize the power of that? The transformational multiplica- multiplication supernatural power of that? And I'm not just talking about laying down our flesh and literally dying. I'm talking about laying down my life. You know, we're celebrating Independence Day, United States this week. Love my country, love, love living here. We were born as a nation because there were a group of people that said, I'm going to lay down my life. Though it cost me everything, I will lay down my life for this cause. I, I, I taught a lesson this week on, uh, we're going to Israel, and so we were talking about the history of Israel. And when, when in 1948, when Israel became a nation, well, they were greatly outnumbered. I mean, two, three, to, three to one, they were outnumbered. They didn't even have tanks. They didn't have, they didn't have airplanes in the, in, the, in the War of Independence there. Why did they win? <laughs> there were 50% of the people that fought in that war for independence had got, got right off a boat after having lived in the death camps in the Holocaust. 
And they said, I'm going to lay down my life though it costs. I don't care what it costs me. We will. We, never again. We will be a nation. Now those are, those are very, very carnal, very fleshly responses. But this is the kind of mentality. I will lay down my life though it costs me everything for the sake of the kingdom of God. Your life, lived at best, is a runway for the kingdom of God. That's not a popular phrase to say. That's why on on our slide here, there's a picture of a runway. I don't want to be walked on. Listen, we're not not talking about it. And the minute you start getting into all these excuses, you're going to lose the battle anyway. What does it mean to lay down your life and serve? What does that mean? I, I think of John the Baptist. Jesus said this about John the Baptist, that he was the greatest that had ever come in the history of man up until that point. And I, when I first would read that, I'm like, that is ridiculous, Jesus. Let me teach you what is really great. I could remind him, you know, you remember that guy who made it rain? Remember the guy who supernaturally brought a building down? That prophet, he was pretty good. Remember the guy who supernaturally shot fire down in heaven and consumed a whole sacrifice? That guy was great. John the Baptist just put people in water. Looks pretty average to me. Why was John the Baptist? Why did Jesus brag so wonderfully about John the Baptist? Even though all he did was proclaim the kingdom is coming and he told people to repent and he baptized them in water. Because he, he lived his life simply to lay down for the Messiah. Come. Come, Jesus. In fact, you read this, what happened, John the Baptist, he had quite a following. He became very popular. He had the mega church in town. He was the, oh man, have you gone to, you've been baptized by John? Yeah, man, I got the t-shirt. Check it out. John the Baptist baptized me. He signed it. (laughs) Jesus comes onto the scene. and, And John's disciples come to him and they say, hey, John, John, Jesus' disciples, are, they're baptizing more people than you now. We better change our strategy. John says, I must decrease and he must increase. Amen. He laid down his life. He said, land, Messiah. Because the kingdom has to come. Not my will, but your will be done. And this is going to be the core of what we talk about as we progress each week in these relationships. How do I lay my life down for the kingdom to come in this relationship, in that relationship? Winning together. That's what we're going to be talking about. And if I could get uh, my ushers to come, we are going to conclude the service today by celebrating the greatest sacrifice of all. We're going to take communion together. Go ahead, gentlemen. I'm going to pray over this. and As they pass it out, we'll talk a little bit more. Father, we come before you today to remember the greatest sacrifice in the history of man. We remember the body. We remember the blood, Father. Broken for us. Poured out for us. 
that the kingdom of God would come in my heart and in my life. Ushers, if you go ahead and hand that out.
I told you that parable out of Matthew 20, where about the vineyard owner and hiring the different workers and paying them all the same. You keep reading on in Matthew 20. After, they, after he, t- he tells this parable, Zeb's kids, Zebedee's kids, send their mom to go talk to Jesus. And she says to him, Hey, Jesus, could you grant that James and John sit at your right and left in your kingdom? Like, could they be the best and the most important in all of your kingdom? And he's like, Boy, you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> this is literally right after that. And of course, the rest of the disciples, their competitive nature kicks in and they, they're offended. Scandal! James and John, I knew they had it in them all along. And Jesus says this to them. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those who are great excise great authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great. He's like, I realize that's going to be a desire. Right? Most of us, I'd love to be great. I just want to be great. Okay? But if any of you, so he gives you the key. If you desire to become great, anyone desires to be great, let him be your servant. (laughs) And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Slavery? What? If you desire to be great, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That was Jesus' response. Let me tell you, if you are a competitive person, Make it the competition. How much could you serve? (laughs) I mean, I'm not talking about like wearing yourself out to clean the toilets here at the church. But if you want to, you know, talk to Bo. I'm kidding. I'm talking about how much could you lay down your life for that other person? And then, of course, he enters in to Jerusalem. And only a little while later, he sat there in the upper room washed their feet. He took some bread. He took the cup. And he broke the bread. And he said, you guys, this is my body. Broken for you. They didn't, still didn't quite get it. They were, they were still a little thick-headed like us. I'm laying my life down, he's telling them. This body, I'm breaking it for you. So now please take this and remember And so, Father, today we remember the body of Jesus Christ broken for us. And it's not lost on us that you then turn and call us the body. Wow. And so, Father, we remember that sacrifice. And together we take of the bread. And, of course, he took the cup. He looks, guys, this, this is my blood poured out for you. The blood of the new covenant. I'm making all things new. The old system's gone. I lay it down for you. And so, Father, we remember the blood of Jesus that covers over a multitude of sins, that forgives, that transforms, that turns us into the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we receive the blood of Jesus. We receive it and we remember it in Jesus' name.
And so now, I bless you, welcome new life, to go and lay down your life in an upside-down kingdom for upside-down results that multiply. And so, Father, would you bless each one here. Father, if there's, if there's an area in our life that we have been trapped by the scandalon offense, I bless each one here to let go of the offense and walk in the freedom. As we celebrate freedom this week, Father, may we, may we be reminded that it's only whom the sun sets free that's free indeed. And so I pray that blessing, that transformational realization, and that the joy of the Lord would accompany all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We'll pick this up again next week. Um, if you want to receive prayer for any reason, I'm going to have uh, some folks up here ready to pray for you and just bless you. But have a wonderful week. Enjoy Independence Day. Enjoy your freedom in Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit us at welcomenewlifeassembly.org.